Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, it's Julie on Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about all things green and growing that God gave us. Today's episode is sponsored by The Secret Spice a book of spices, dancing, carpets, and family. Free bonus lessons are available on botany, Bible, and a recipe. And you can learn more about this book at julienaturally.com. It's also available on Amazon and has been getting great reviews. So check it out. It would make a great gift for the young person in your life and also uh, is a good unit study and makes a nice addition to any study that includes Persia, ancient history, things like that. So we are continuing with our holiday series and today's episode features myrrh. So usually we hear frankincense and myrrh, you know, and of course it is one of the gifts of the three wise men as we started talking about that last time. Uh, So today we're going to dig into more about myrrh and its significance in the ancient ancient world and its significance today. And we're going to touch a little bit on how it's used in some of the different systems of uh, medicine that are around the world, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So the Latin name for myrrh is Camophora myrrha, and guess where it grows? It grows in the same areas as frankincense grows. So it grows in the Horn of Africa and in parts of the Middle East. And it's also harvested in a similar way. Myrrh is a resin, just like frankincense, and it comes from the sap of the Camophora myrrha tree. So what they do is they cut a little uh, a slit in the tree, per se, um, until it starts to seep sap. And then they let when the when the sap hits the air, it dries, of course, and they let it dry there. Uh, it's allowed to harden. And then, just like with the frankincense, it is scraped off the tree and collected. It has, you know, like these little nuggets. Uh, and then, you know, like frankincense, it's burned. But that's not the only way that it's used. Even in ancient times, uh, it's not the only way that it's used. It's not only burned, and it's not only collected as sap. Uh, sometimes it is used uh, in as an oil, so we'll talk more about that. So it was used in a lot of different countries, and in one of the ancient historians, Herodotus, who lived in the 5th century B.C., 
He said something very interesting. Uh, he said, Arabia is the only country which produces frankincense, myrrh, cassia, and cinnamon. The trees bearing the frankincense are guarded by, now here's the interesting part, winged serpents of small size and various colors. Um, I'm not going to get into a big, long discussion about dragons, but um, yeah, that it is interesting that a reliable historian that we often go to when we're talking about history of Greeks and Romans uh, would say something like that uh, in, in conjunction with other known things about the culture. So um, winged serpents of small size and various colors, very interesting. So let's get on with some of the other history around myrrh. Uh, myrrh, as we as we may know, it's often associated with death. Uh, the ancient Egyptians used it along with natron or natron, however you say it, as part of their embalming process. So it 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 was mixed in with their other uh, herbs and things that they used. We know that there are several references to myrrh in the Bible, not just when it came to the wise men and also at Jesus's crucifixion. It was one of the herbs applied to his dead body. There are other references, including Genesis 37:25. There was a caravan of camels and people coming uh that accompanying one of the brides, uh, it was part of the bridal caravan, bringing, among other things, myrrh. It's also talked about in Exodus 30, 23 to 25. And it's also talked about in Esther 2, 12. And in Esther, it's part of the uh, purification ritual, so to speak, of the brides. And that uh, is one of the uses of it in the ancient world. So it was part of the sacred anointing oil. And that's what we see in Exodus. Uh, God gave instructions, very specific instructions, for what the components of the sacred anointing oil were supposed to be. And myrrh was one of those oils. It was also used as a perfume. And, and, and of course, used during burial. So, in other parts of the world, it was also used to purify one's home. You'd burn it inside the house, and it, would, it was said it would clean the air. And to purify new brides as they would come into the royal household, as we saw in Esther. And it's also mentioned in other places, uh, as part of the ritual you know, cleaning of the body and rubbing of oils, they one of those things was myrrh. And in other parts of the world, in other systems of medicine that are far older than the Western system of medicine, uh, it has been used for centuries even by the Chinese, who would have had to ship it over long distances. 
they traded with the Arabians and they too used myrrh. Everything that they got, all kinds of plants and even animal parts, they found some way of using it medicinally. Uh, but it was also used uh, by India, Indians, uh, in their medical system uh, called Ayurveda. And the reason I, you'll discover in a few minutes why I'm the reason why I'm telling you this about their system of uh, of medicine. So in traditional Chinese medicine, it has been used to promote blood circulation and dissolve swelling and other stasis types issues such as rheumatism and arthritic complaints, things like that. And in Ayurveda, it has long been used to treat mouth ulcers and gingivitis, female reproductive issues, infected wounds, and bronchial conditions. Um, And in Ayurveda, they also use a related species of myrrh that they call Google, G-U-G-G-U-L. It's not exactly myrrh, but it's it's close. It's a pretty close relative. Uh, the Bible also talks about another close relative of myrrh called the balm of Gilead. And all of these trees are, they, they grow in a similar area there in Arabia and uh, the Horn of Africa. So the reason why I mention that is because in modern times, we're able to do research, you know, on a chemical level with these uh, resins, and particularly we're talking about myrrh today. Uh, they're able to do this research and find out exactly, well, how these oils and plants should be used and whether or not they're good for the things that they've been used for traditionally. And they often look at those much older systems to see, well, that's how they've used it. Is it actually effective? So um, modern research methods have their faults, but they do, they do reveal some interesting clues and facts about these plants. So it is interesting to note that myrrh has been historically used in instances where there's a lot of bacterial growth. I mean, think about it. Death, you know, embalming a body, uh, you know, um, and cleaning the house with it, you know, clearing the air. Uh, all of those kinds of things have are areas where you might have a lot of bacteria. So it, it does slow the rate of uh, decay in a dead body, and it does kill bacteria. So the fact that God told the Israelites to include it in their sacred anointing oil and as part of their incense and burn it in the church helped to purify the air and helped to keep people healthy and even in more modern times, the Catholic Church has often included it as part of their sacred incense, and it does it does clean the air. 
So, of course, God being all-knowing and all-wise, he revealed that to them long before the understanding of these microbes was ever discovered. He told them how to stay healthy and how to keep clean, along with the hand-washing and you know, burning of moldy housing and stuff like that. He, um, he gave them these instructions and it, it did help to control the spread of disease. So because it has these antibacterial properties, it is used in oral treatments, you know, things like mouthwash, toothpaste, because it does help to control oral bacteria. And that can contribute to mouth sores and gingivitis. So the, the ancient medical systems had a lot of wisdom in using it that way. Um, they've, researchers have also studied some additional uses of myrrh in speeding wound healing and preventing infection. And of course, because it's antibacterial, it shows a lot of promise in those areas. So keeping it around uh, to use perhaps uh, for the prevention of bacterial infection uh, may, may be helpful. Myrrh also shows some promise in treating chronic headaches and certain parasitic infections. Some studies have shown that uh, it helps. They've done some, you know, some of those double blind kind of uh, studies where it does show that it helps with those things. But the studies are small and there aren't very many of them, so they do need to do some more research in that area, but it, it does show some promise. And it also shows some promise in slowing the growth of cancer cells in the liver, prostate, breast, and skin. So remember what I said about how in um, TCM they use myrrh often in combination with frankincense. Uh, the two of them together have a very synergistic effect. They both, by using them together, it enhances the qualities of both of them and actually creates new compounds that are even more effective than these oils separately. So it's, it's a powerful combination. But remember I said that with TCM, the use of myrrh is for stasis type conditions and swellings. So it makes sense that it may slow the growth of cancer cells, tumors essentially, in these uh, different types of cancers. And it may also effectively kill some strains of mold as well as parasite, as well as the parasites and bacteria. So they did some studies with um, test tubes and um, and it does show some effectiveness with that. So um, that is really interesting that ancient people and these other systems learn these things and without without having microscopes or uh, any tools for doing the kinds of studies that we can do today. And 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 they knew these things. I mean, they uh, and they used these resins effectively and help people to stay healthy. So I, I find that really interesting and encouraging and remarkable that uh, 
you know, even without all the technology, people uh, were, they were using these, using myrrh and frankincense in ways that are consistent with what we've been able to learn in modern times. So um, that's what I have for you today on myrrh. It's a little shorter than usual, perhaps, but uh, I encourage you to dig deeper on these plants associated with Christmas. And next week, we're going to talk about another plant associated with Christmas. We're going to move on from the three wise men. Um, and um, and I just want to make a note that, uh, again, myrrh was highly valued, just like frankincense. And so these gifts that uh, we associate, you know, that uh, the wise men brought are, we're not just giving Christ, just, you know, giving him a bunch of, you know, resin cubes. They were expensive gifts and they were gifts that were from the region where the, the Magi came. Uh, they were highly valued, and they were kind of secretive about how they were, how they harvested them, where they got them from at that time. And um, myrrh and frankincense were part of how they worshipped, and they're a part of how the Jewish people worshipped. And so the gifts that they brought were um, were a form of worship as well as gifts that you would offer a king. He is our king. Um, so I encourage you uh, to dig deeper with that and connect with me on Facebook at Julie Naturally. Visit my website, julienaturally.com, and check out the new children's picture book, The Secret Spice, which takes place in Persia and features another expensive Persian spice. And uh, have a wonderful holiday season. God bless. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless. God bless.